continue in the, the scriptures where we left off this morning. We'll begin at verse 19b of 2 Kings chapter 5. And in our scripture reading, we will read of one who, who fell, one who did not abide in the Lord's ways, and who was ensnared by his own lusts. So we start at verse 19b, remembering that Elisha has sent Naaman on his way, that Elisha gave that word of benediction to Naaman when he said, go in peace. And then at 19b, we have that little word, but significant word that tells us that something is about to happen. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, See, my master has spared this Naaman the Syrian, and not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi followed Naaman. And when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me to say, There have just now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. And Naaman said, Be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged him and tied up two talents of silver and two bags with uh, two changes of clothing and laid them on two of his servants. And they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to the hill, he, he took them from their hand and put them in the house, and he sent the men away, and they departed. He went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant went nowhere. But he said to him, Did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence, a leper like snow." I want to also read a portion from the Catechism, again as a reference point, not so much a Catechism sermon, but a reminder of the teaching concerning the Tenth Commandment, returning to Lord's Day 44. Lord's Day 44a. Question and answer 113, page 893. 
What is God's will for you? What is God's will for us in the Tenth Commandment? And in answer that not even the slightest desire or thought contrary to any one of God's commandments should ever arise in our hearts. Rather, with all our hearts, we should always hate sin and delight in all righteousness. What a high calling the Lord has set before us that not even the slightest desire or thought contrary to any of God's commandments should ever arise in our hearts. And then to repeat the verses that conclude 2 Kings chapter 5, where Elisha said to Gehazi, Did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and auction, male servants and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence, a leper like snow. We know that while the grass fades, flower will one day wilt, the word of our God stands forever. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this afternoon we come to a very sad account in the record of salvation history. And while we may not be familiar with every aspect of Elisha's ministry, who among us here this afternoon can forget the the grievous account of Gehazi and his fall? When we think of Gehazi, we think of the leprosy, that he, as it were, inherited from Naaman. Naaman was hardly on his way when Gehazi began to follow. He had seen the treasures in Naaman's convoy, and Gehazi's eyes began to steal over. Gehazi, with sticky fingers, wanted some of those treasures. From this morning, you remember that Naaman had taken some of the treasures of his country along with him, the talents of silver, the 6,000 shekels of gold, the 10 festal garments. Perhaps he had wanted to make an impression on the king of Israel whom he first went to. The quantity of silver that Naaman took with him was so large that it is estimated it, it enabled the purchase of at least 400 horses, horses so valuable for armed forces, shackles of silver to boost the economy. It was as if Naaman took the royal mint along. Elisha, as we heard this morning, refused any sign of compensation, any payment for what he experienced in his life. Instead, Elisha had said to Naaman, go in peace. He left Naaman with a benediction. 
And Naaman had received the miracle of God's touch in his life, a miracle of grace. And we who know something of the scriptures know that the Bible teaches that grace is not for sale. And while grace is not cheap in the manner of speaking, it cost God his only begotten son. His grace is not to be bartered about as a commodity. His grace cannot be sold as, as an item, so to speak, on the stock market. And the biblical understanding of salvation is that the sovereign grace of God is free. It's undeserving. We who are totally depraved are totally unable to do anything to save ourselves. We who confess the wonders of God's unconditional election, who, who stand behind the truth of definite uh, atonement and irresistible grace and the perseverance of the saints, thankfully know what it is to sing, not what my hands have done can save my guilty soul. For thy grace alone, O God, to me can pardon speak. Thy power alone, O Son of God, can this sore bondage break. No other work save thine. No other blood will do. No strength save that which is divine can bear me safely through. Now Gehazi could not make this confession. A little financial gain alongside would help out. Thank you very much, please. Gehazi, his, his name means Valley of Vision. Valley of Vision. But what did he see? What vision belonged to him? He possessed the eye, the eye of envy. Envy, one of what is called the seven deadly sins. And the Tenth Commandment, as we heard it, explained in the Heidelberg Catechism was far too much for him. Gehazi's vision was clouded. He could not simply delight in God's mercy toward Naaman. Naaman who had been cleansed by God's compassion and tender kindness and we still could see him falling under the waters of the River Jordan seven times, coming forth perfectly clean, restored, and carrying his name once again well formed. What a tremendous picture of Christ's washing blood. And what a tremendous picture of baptism, that sacrament in which water represents the blood of Christ washing us clean. The eye of envy was about to stain Gehazi for life. He was convinced that Elisha had made a big mistake. Why, here was a golden opportunity for a little financial security. Financial security for the rest of his life. Why, he was not going to look a promising future in the face only to let it slip from his grasp. He thought himself wiser than his master and he ran. He ran after Naaman. Naaman spots him running. He sees the man who has now been blinded by greed. Is all well? He asks. Oh yes. And here sin begins to 
to tighten its cord around Gehazi's neck. What we have before us is a complicated fabrication of lies. But the love of money, the root of all evil, was at the bottom of it. His heart was in Naaman's treasure chests, coveting what did not belong to him. And the breaking of the Tenth Commandment soon led to the breaking of the Ninth. The story had been cleverly devised. Two young prophets had quite unexpectedly arrived at Elisha's uh, place, and, and they were poor, and Elisha himself was not well off. And so his master was, in a sense, uh, in some trouble. He had sent him to respectfully request if Naaman would be so kind as to help him out of his trouble by presenting a, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Now this would have made Gehazi very rich. Uh, a talent of silver was a fortune. Gehazi made his request in the pretense that Naaman would be helping Elisha help someone else. And cleverly, he believes, he tells Naaman that they had just come from the hill country of Ephraim. And this is from the southern district. And Naaman was traveling north. And as such, he would not become suspicious, wondering if he had seen these people on the road. Well, Naaman is only too pleased to grant Gehazi his request. But well, why not take two talents of silver? And at some urging, Gehazi accepts. Now, this is something of uh, the eastern character of uh, the area where people don't need to be urged, but there's always that sense, well, you should have this and this. No, 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 no. no yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. Eastern courtesy demanded that you would first decline and finally accept. After all, you have to make a good impression. And soon Gehazi is on his way back, smug and self-satisfied. Why, he certainly pulled one over Naaman's eyes, didn't he? No, it was Gehazi who was blinded. And Naaman's servants helped carrying the spoil back, the Bible tells us. Gehazi proceeds to hide it, and like Achan of long ago, he, he puts out of sight what he has stolen, thinking that no one else will know the difference. No congregation, before we carry on in this sad account, we will look at the heart of, of the message. And in order to do so, we must go back to that moment when Naaman was cleansed from his leprosy. There is a distinct contrast between these two parts of, of the Naaman story in 2 Kings 5. And there's one of grace, one of judgment, one of blessing, one of curse, one of healing, another of sickness, spiritual sickness, one of life and one of death. Indeed, life is always the story of, of two roads, is it not? As the Lord Jesus taught, the broad road that leads to destruction, the narrow road that leads to life. And we're called to walk that narrow road, for we are either for God or against him. And we might say that these two parts of the chapter are connected by Gehazi's title, Servant 
of the man of God. Servant of the man of God. In the first place, no present was to be accepted to make it perfectly clear that God is unique among the gods. There is no God but one God, and the true God guides according to his word. He is the God of free grace, the God of mercy. He gives freely, and this is precisely what Gehazi did not believe. He foolishly violated God's rule in the kingdom, and he did not understand that God's mercy is not for sale. It's not God's way. And that way had been tarnished. That way had been discredited. That way had been disgraced. And here we have one who is called to be the servant of the man of God. He He hadn't learned his catechism lessons, had he? He'd become self-serving. And in this congregation, there is a warning for us, for we too are called to be servants of the man of God. No, not Elisha, but the one that Elisha foreshadowed the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must be careful, we must pray for that grace that we do not fall into the snare in which instead of serving our Lord and Savior, we too become self-serving. And we need to fight against that congregation day by day. Let us not forget that it is impossible to find God by focusing on ourselves. Now the Naaman's story serves then as a hinge between what has happened and what is about to happen in the ministry of Elisha. As one Bible teacher put it, it is placed between the part that that informs us of uh, the prophet's activities for the well-being of the 7,000, the God-fearing people who did not bow down uh, to Baal. And on the other hand, if you go on, in the account of Elisha, his activities in the presence of Israel's king, and the warning which Elisha was to issue at the address of the whole nation regarding the imminent judgment of God should they not repent and be converted. And in announcing this judgment, Naaman, a a foreigner, cleansed from his leprosy, was a picture for the people of the covenants. Once again, it would be shown who God really is, the God of free grace, the God of the covenant, working in the ways of the covenant. And obedience and healing are are tied together. God makes a promise, but at the same time, he requires faith and obedience, uh, the obedience of faith. God's people must listen to his word. God's not saying what he says just for words to say. No, we must listen. But in Gehazi, we then see what we might call a different side of Israel's God. For if God did not answer Gehazi, the people of the covenant community could get the wrong impression that he was not the God of free grace. Gehazi had darkened some of the messianic light that was already visible in the days of Elisha. Just as we can darken that light today 
by how we approach the life God gives us. We too can do harm to the gospel of free grace by showing a a lack of gratitude to God, by taking for granted uh, what we do not deserve. We too can can do harm by by looking the other way to, to sin within the covenant community. The wonder of free grace must be evident in our lives. And we need to pray for it, congregation. We need to pray that our thankfulness for God's mercies would be clearly evident in our lives and to thank the Lord every day again that we would be thankful students of the word, whether we're young or whether we are old, that we would daily receive the word of life, the bread of life, in humble praise. We come back to Gehazi. He's standing before his master, and he's trying to act normally as if nothing has happened. He's attempting to live out of his lie. Where have you been, Gehazi? Oh, oh, nowhere. He acts as Ananias and Sapphira would later. And he stands before his master as if nothing had happened, ready to receive the master's word. One lie commonly gives birth to another. The way of sin is downhill. It entangles. It ensnares. It leaves one in twists and knots. Gehazi, where have you been? It was a question full of mercy. Gehazi is offered the opportunity to to return from his wicked ways, to confess his sin, uh, to tell his master the truth. But he had already made his decision. He acted surprised, and and his reply, well, your servant went nowhere. Elisha's response was telling. Elisha, the word bearer, knew it all. God had revealed it to him. And we can almost hear it in his voice. Gehazi, did I not go with you as you ran off to Naaman? All our foolish aspirations are known to God. Don't lie again, Gehazi. There is no hiding from the Lord. The Lord's seeing eye sees all. We read in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 19, The truthful lip shall be established forever, but the lying tongue is but for a moment. Gehazi is exposed. He, so to speak, is stripped by the truth. Gehazi, was this a time to accept treasures from that man? And by asking this question, the prophet wanted to make it clear to his servant that he had injured the message that Elisha passed on to the people of Israel, that God is the God of free grace. Elisha even detailed the questioning, the question mentioning all that Gehazi had accepted from Naaman and the things that he could purchase, money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, 
uh, men servants and maid servants. He, he did not exaggerate when he summed up all these things. It fits in with the enormous amount of money that was requested from Naaman. He even had the boldness to accept two talents of silver, which was the exact price that King Omri on another occasion had paid for the whole mountain of Samaria. And we can read that in 1 Kings chapter 16. Gehazi did not count the cost. The nature of God's kingdom, according to Christ, is to forsake all in order to be a disciple. Now that does not make money wrong, but we must remember what the Lord gives us is to be a tool, a tool for God's service. And we must remember that money in the, in the big picture of things is, is quite secondary. We do well to remember what we hear from 1 Timothy chapter 6, where the word of God teaches godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, Elisha is not finished yet. In fact, he goes on to say, you wanted to get something from Naaman? You're going to take the one part, earthly riches. You're going to have the other as well. And from now on, Naaman's leprosy will be on you and your descendants. And in Gehazi, we then see a fulfillment of Proverbs 21 and verse 6. Getting treasure by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. Getting treasure by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. Gehazi wanted to secure his place in the midst of Israel. And to do so, he thought he, he needed money. He needed a farm. He needed servants. He wanted to secure that place. But through it all, he lost it all. And those who are intent only on money, drowned themselves in destruction and perdition. What did Gehazi profit, though he gained two talents, when thereby he lost his health, his house, his peace, his service, and if no repentance, his soul forever? From the law of Moses, we know that lepers were not allowed to join the worship ceremonies and the festivities of the nation. Gehazi's uh, legacy was to be an outcast, and he gained nothing. He carried the mark of Naaman. He had no vision. He only had a body that was covered with the deadly disease of leprosy. Inward, he had been filled with envy, covetousness, and now outward, outwardly leprosy. God's word to us is 
not simply given to us as a, a story from long ago. God's Word teaches us the blessings of obedience, the curses of disobedience. And we are shown what the end will be if we do not take God's Word seriously. God's Word, as we read it earlier this morning in the Second Commandment, which tells us what will happen to the descendants of those who who turn away from Him and worship the Lord God in their own way to the third and the fourth generation. Multitudes, by coveting worldly wealth, have erred from the faith and, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Money, again, is to be a servant, helping us serve the king, not a master, and mastering us to seek for ourselves. Christ, in his ministry, had a Judas among his followers. And the means of grace cannot give grace. The best men, the best ministers have often had those about them that have been their grief and shame. Gehazi had stood in the way of the work of God's grace in Naaman, whereas he should have been the servant of the prophet, and as such, the servant of the Lord's grace. And for that reason, leprosy would now cling to him. And he left Elisha's presence as a leper, white as snow. Now what will become of us if we stand in the way of the Lord's grace? and rejected in unbelief. The good news is that each day again, we may turn to the Lord and ask him for the strength to be faithful. He works in our lives by his word and spirit, but then let us live by his word and spirit. The prophet Ezekiel tells us that the Lord has no pleasure in the death of the sinner, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. And so we must also day by day confess the goodness, the goodness of God's free grace. It is not to be to us merely a term, a concept, an idea. No, it must be a living reality in our lives. And to fail to appreciate that free grace has consequences. May God, by his word and spirit, so strengthen us that we might be found faithful. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do pray for that grace to be found faithful. Grace to know that Our sins can only be taken care of by the Lord Jesus Christ and grace to live a life that gives demonstration of that conviction. Father in heaven, we are saddened by the account of Gehazi. We, Lord, know that whatever is given into the scriptures for us is for our instruction And we want to thank thee, Father, that the Lord Jesus perfectly upheld every aspect of thy commandments. And so, Lord, as we go forth from this place, help us on our way. Keep us in thy care. Help us to remember that the Lord Jesus is interceding for us. 
and to help us to remember that, that no one loves us more than our Savior, and he is all that we need. Grant us the grace of contentment. Grant us, Lord, the strength to fight against sin. And, Lord, we pray, sustain us and keep us and bring us back together again at the next appointed time. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.